Miracine. Iteration and improvement, it doesn't have to be a challenge or a negative for your business model. In some cases, it could actually unlock possibilities for your business that you had never thought of before. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Randy Rubenstein to the show. Randy is the founder of Mastermind Parenting, as well as the host of the long-running Mastermind Parenting podcast. Thank you, Randy, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So start at the top. Tell us, who are you? What do you do? What's your story? How did you come to be doing it? So I help parents who have a strong-willed kid. And like, you know, I'm talking to you. If you have a really strong-willed kid, this goes beyond like the typical two-year-old meltdowns. Basically, 24, almost 25 years ago, I gave birth to my oldest child who was one of these strong-willed kids. I wouldn't have necessarily known it at the time. He was just the kid who came out sort of unhappy a lot and crying and crying and crying like beyond typical baby crying. And I was just on a hunt for resources. And so I searched and I searched and I searched. And ultimately, what I found is now called Mastermind Parenting. When I started Mastermind Parenting, I was doing something called Conscious Parenting which really wasn't even a thing yet. So I started learning this program, Conscious Discipline. I started working with teachers on classroom management, which is just another way to say how do teachers deal with kids when they're having problematic behavior without losing their minds. And so I was teaching Conscious Discipline, but I was incorporating in the classes that I was teaching to parents and then working with teachers, I was incorporating other things, just other things I had learned along the way. And so once and for all, I kind of decided, you know what, it's not really like, I think I need to name this my own thing. And when I decided to trademark Mastermind Parenting, now I needed to turn it into a program to teach it to people. And first I wrote a book and my book is called Closing the Parent Gap. So I had this process. It was an eight week course and I was doing it one on one with people. And then I decided, well, I think I'm going to turn this into a group program. So my very first group program was 25 people, and we did the eight-week program, and then I wanted to send them on their way, and then they said, we're not going anywhere. We have so much more to learn, and we need to dig deeper into all these concepts. Because the truth is, I used to firehose people in eight weeks, what now we take people through for a year, and many people stay in my program, my membership community, for more than one year. So really, it takes even more than one year to fully, fully master the concepts. And I was doing this in eight weeks. It was just pretty unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could kind of break that down a bit more. Like, what was the the journey like to go from having that fire hose of information or feeling like you were overwhelming your participants to getting to a, a better learning design? Like, what did that process oh my look like and, and where did you end up? You know, it used to be when I was firehosing all the people, it just required a whole lot of me because people come to me, anyone that comes to me, it's like many people are like, oh, I should take a parenting class. But really, you don't commit to taking a parenting class or I haven't seen many people commit to taking a parenting class unless 
it's so bad because you've got a kid that's really showing up with all these difficult behaviors. So usually people come to me, they're sleep deprived, there's a lack of boundaries, and life is stressful, and they're super overwhelmed. And so then when they came to me, and then I'm overwhelming them because I want to help so badly, I just want to give them all the information, and then I overwhelm them more. So now I just have all of these people in overwhelm. So, it, so I'm pretty nurturing, and I love what I do, and I really get to know people's stories. And it took so much nurturing for me because I was overwhelming them more. I was well-intentioned, but it really wasn't me honoring that person's journey. And so when you guys helped me to break it down, what it ended up doing was it allowed people to learn in the way that humans are designed to learn. And so it spelled things out in, I think, a more concise and consistent way. I started to put in integration weeks and accountability assignments and do challenges so we could like build some momentum and give them all those great dopamine hits. And I just learned a lot in terms of how people effectively learn. And so what that did was it served my customers better. I mean, it made my life easier, of course, but what I really cared about was I wanted my customers to be able to get this information and change their children's lives. And my job to do that was just so much harder when I had a bunch of people in overwhelm. And so I think it made me a much better coach and a more effective teacher as well. So for, for course creators looking to do the same thing, so on the one hand, you added components. You're saying you added opportunities for application and integration rather than just focusing on content. But I think some people struggle with is like, all oh, my content is great, right? How did you tackle that? Yeah, it's like, I mean, this is such a crass way of putting it, but I think I've heard people say, like, you have to decide which babies you're going to kill. And you're like, but I love all my babies. And that's exactly how I felt. For anybody who has ever taken assessments to figure out how you're wired, like, I love the Colby assessment. And so I know that I'm a very high action taker and a very high fact finder. And I'm not so great with the follow through and the systematic approach. You know, it's kind of like when we learn to write papers when we're younger and that old style way of writing a paper like the five paragraph essay. You know, the whole point of that is that you're going to give the person, you're going to let them know what you're about to teach them. And then you're going to have three paragraphs that teach them the thing and then you're going to wrap it up. And so it's like the brain can actually retain that information. And so essentially, I think that's what I ended up doing was really following a format that I wasn't overwhelming people anymore. And I was just picking out the most critical things to teach people and really prioritizing, doing a better job with the details and the prioritizing. Can you share a little bit about kind of what goes on inside the program? I mean, teaching parenting, it's a sensitive and difficult thing to do because, you know, kids don't come with instruction manuals, but, you know, we're kind of led to believe by society, we should just know how to do this. We should just be good at it. And any feedback on parenting is often taken very personally. Plus, it's a very soft skill, and you don't see what's going on inside the relationship, which can be very nuanced. So how do you give feedback? I mean, it sounds like it would be challenging on a lot of levels. So how do you tackle that? Yeah, it really, I always say, like, I think I chose the hardest topic. And I didn't really choose it. It chose me because it is. I think talking about parenting is even more sensitive than talking about sex or money. It's loaded. It's loaded. And if you have a difficult kid, there's a lot of shame 
You know, a lot of times parents, they feel like they're screwing up their top priority in life. They're worried about their kid. It's super, super sensitive. And what I'll say is, is the feedback I hear the most is people saying, it's just amazing. There's zero judgment here. One of my moms, she's this Texas gal. And she says, I just love the way you, Randy Rubenstein, you know how to give someone a spanking and make it feel like a hug. And I was like, "Eh." and I think that is, you know, it's like we speak truth and there's no judgment. And I think because I share so much of my experience and I teach through story and even share my current experience, like I still have one teenager at home. And he's 16, almost 17, he's a junior in high school, and he's in the what we call the talk to the hand phase. And so I love to kind of share these stories where I'm sharing my own experience, you know, where right now his brother and sister, he's like, oh, I want to watch this thing or I want to go do this thing. We were camping recently. And so he's waiting for like his dad or his brother or sister to be like, oh, I'll go do that with you. And I'm like, oh, I'll do that with you. He's like, I'm good. (laughs) And so I share these experiences because I think that it lets everyone know, like, I'm still going through it, too. There really is no judgment. There is no perfection when it comes to parenting. And most of us, we keep all of these secrets. And yet when we come together and we talk about this stuff openly, well, then we can problem solve. We can realize where we're in our blind spots. And so I think it just feels like a sense of community. It involves a decent amount of nurturing. But I want people taking action. So I also have to, like, let them see where they can improve. So it's a dance that I do. But I think because I love what I do and I love my people so much, they feel it. And so it works. How do you define success inside the program? And I kind of wonder, you know, for someone going into the program, how do they define success? Is there a discrepancy there? Do you need to, you know, while you're educating them and supporting them on changing the behaviors, do you also have to? bring them along in terms of refining their expectations of what their relationship with their kid might look like, for example? Well, what we do during our integration weeks, so I take them through my framework, and there's four wings of my framework. So we spend three weeks per wing, right? And so on the third week, I always have them do this report card process. And this is something I believe I learned from you, Abe, which is like identifying where were you, where are you currently, And where are you still going? So I actually have them do a lot of self-reporting. And when they do their accountability assignments in between, I'm always doing something. I call it, it's corny. I have a lot of corny parts of my program. But (laughs) as long as I own that they're corny, everybody kind of seems okay with it. But I pause for applause a lot. And so like when I read their assignments or I read their reflections, I make sure, because I think most of us, you know, look, we have that human negativity bias where we're scanning for all the ways we're doing things wrong. And so when I take the time to pause for applause, it's like at first it can feel a little cringy for people because they're not used to applauding for themselves. And so I applaud a lot of times just their self-awareness. They're willing to be onto themselves, the reflection. And I really make a point of doing that a whole lot because I really want to kind of start to improve upon their self-talk and their feeling of feeling enough and feeling like a good parent. Because I'll tell you something, there's not one person that is a bad parent or a lazy parent who signs up to take a parenting class. And I think where we start to define success is when you're sleep deprived and you have a kid having chronic meltdowns and every single day you're wondering when you're going to get that phone call from school, 
And then all of a sudden, you have a kid or a kid that doesn't let you kiss them because they're so shut down and defensive. And then you have a kid that wants to cuddle up and is letting you kiss them. Maybe they're not into letting you kiss them on the lips yet, but they'll let you kiss them on the top of the head. And you start to get notes from teachers and you get to pause for applause for your kids, too. I mean, that feels like a huge win for parents. Can you tell us a little bit about the business side of the business? I mean, the different programs, like what did they sell for and what does it cost for you to deliver that experience? If you can share about margins, whatever you're comfortable and how do you do your marketing? Just, you know, high level, what are the number pieces to all this? For our beginning 12-week program, where I teach my framework to transform strong-willed kids, okay? You can learn it either in our self-study program, which is called Mini Masters, and it's all the materials. You just do it in a self-paced way. And then we have our hybrid coaching program, which is a hybrid between it's group coaching, it's personalized coaching, and it's where we really study the content together. We have group coaching calls. We use something called Voxer as a way to give people coaching outside of the coaching calls, which many of our parents really love because a lot of our parents are busy working parents. They are running their own businesses. I have a lot of female physicians in my program. And so it's really helpful because they're able to get that coaching on Boxer about their specific scenario. And so for the mini masters, it's $49 a month and it's month to month. And then our basics boot camp 12-week coaching program to learn the NICE framework is $19.97. And then when we run it as a group where I enroll cohorts together after we do like a challenge week or something like that, we do it for $14.97. And then after our boot camp program, after they go through our boot camp program, then they're invited to join our mastermind to go through the rest of our programs. And to join our mastermind, it's $19.97 for the year. So what's next? Do you have any directions that you want to go in or what are the big ideas percolating? So the big ideas right now are that I really want to hit Facebook ads. I ran some Facebook ads a couple years ago. I didn't have any success with it. I gave up. So right now we're cleaning up our messaging. We're really adding to our mailing list, creating some new lead generators. So I've been working on that a lot. And yeah, I hope to just start doing a better job spreading the word so that we can just get more of those discovery calls on the calendar and easily fill our groups. Nice. Yeah. So right now I'm really just iterating. I'm mostly iterating. I mean, look, I am a little bit of a content creating horror. Like that's my love and I can't help myself. So right now I'm rolling, you know, I've been rolling out this new program that is within my membership community. I mean, that's the reason people stick around for years because they, it, it's a parenting program, but it's really parenting slash personal development. And so whatever it is I'm into and I'm learning, I usually create a program and then I have all these people raising their hand that are just kind of up for it. I mean, I have people that have been in for six years. So I'm just kind of iterating right now and just trying to do a better job at on the marketing aspect and spreading the word and filling our groups. Awesome. Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Randy Rubenstein is the founder of Mastermind Parenting, host of the Mastermind Parenting podcast, and author of The Parent Gap. You can check out everything she's got to offer over at mastermindparenting.com. That's mastermindparenting.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
Now stick around for my favorite part of the show where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, where shall we begin? Well, they say that I guess a, a critical part of coaching is repetition. And so, you know, we had a bit of that here, like something we've talked about in a few different contexts, but we'll continue to talk about and repeat in different forums because it's so, so critical is that having an effective online course or learning program isn't just about or even primarily about your content. And that continues to be, I think, counterintuitive for people. And we continue to see that people naturally tend to create courses that are overloaded with content, as always, with the best of intentions, right? They're not doing it to overwhelm people on purpose. They're doing it to try and be generous and to help their participants in every way that they can. But paradoxically, it winds up actually slowing people down and preventing them from learning effectively. And this is something that Randy, you know, had to learn the hard way before she was able to pivot and adapt and dramatically improve her program to shift it from being content-centric to being really learner-centric and participation-centric. And so that core message, we've talked about it in different ways, in different contexts, but it is, I would say, one of, if not the most fundamental takeaways that I hope people get from this show. Yeah, absolutely. It's the accordioning of the length of the course from, you know, eight weeks to over a year for, I mean, the same content. But the operative question is not, how long do I need to explain this? It's how long do they need to understand it and master it and and do with it what they want to do? It's, it's a little bit like, you know, if someone asks the question, how long does it take to write a book? You know, you can say, well, I type 100 words a minute. The book is 30,000 words or 60,000 words. So just divide, you know, one by the other and that should tell you. But obviously, it's not just about how quickly could you mechanically type the book. It's about coming up with the ideas and organizing them and writing and rewriting and everything that goes into that. And so in much the same way, it's like, it's not about how long will it take for me to just say the things that explain the ideas. It's like, what will it take for you to internalize them, for you to try them, feel them out, course correct along the way to, to really get it right, et cetera. So I thought that was really well illustrated by literally, you know, from eight weeks to over a year. Yeah. Well, and it, it, I think the other takeaway from Ray's experience is that iteration and improvement, it, it doesn't have to be a challenge or a negative for your business model. In some cases, it could actually unlock possibilities for your business that you had never thought of before. And, you know, Randy has gotten to a place where not only is she helping people in a more effective learning design, but her whole suite of offerings is actually like much more you know, revenue generating and profitable than it was before. And to that point, I also appreciated what she shared about her journey that she's still on about, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a business person, being a marketer in particular, and being still very much a work in progress in those things as you know, honestly, we all are. There's always room to get better, but that hasn't held her back from getting to where she is. She's already got a very successful, thriving business. And so there's no reason to be like, you know, well, I don't have those skills yet. I'm not ready yet. You always work with what you've got and move forward from there. So I thought that was a great thing to take away as well. Yeah. I mean, it's always a, a process of iteration and discovery, right? 
for some reason, I guess maybe because in some ways a course seems like a project, like a book, right? That has endpoint, that it's this product that you produce and put on the shelf and it's done. And I can understand the desire to have that sense of completion. But the best courses are, they're just living projects that continuously grow and develop and improve over time. That's kind of what makes courses so much more powerful than a book or other like static, you know, forms of information, dissemination and learning. I think the opportunity is to really embrace that. Like, don't think of your course as a product. Think of it as a system that you're continually improving over time. And when you say best course, I mean, best in terms of the transformation they deliver and how well put together they are, but also best in terms of those tend to be the most profitable ones. Mm-hmm. All right. That's great. That's what I've got in my notes. Do you want to do the readout? Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Ed Bristol, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eaney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as To Lead is Human and Just Between Coaches. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode, and Danny Eaney is our executive producer. Another big thanks to Randy Rubenstein for coming onto the show today. Remember, you can learn more about her and her work over at mastermindparenting.com. To make sure you don't miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, go ahead and leave us a start review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Is it Rubenstein or Rubenstock? It's actually Rubenstein, but you can say Stein. <laughs> So it's Ruben Stein. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show, I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah. Because... We're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness.
my desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why, are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.